From the Summer Skate Studios, Analytics and Eyeballs is brought to you by Top Golf. At every Top Golf, it's about fun, climate-controlled bays, increased safety measures with your choice of games, as well as our sports bar and restaurant. See your local Top Golf location or topgolf.com. Summer skates, shower shoes, and koozies customized for yourself or your entire team. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. From coast to coast and beyond, wherever you need to be, Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos has a destination that suits your style. Jets Pizza. With six different styles of pizza, eight different types of crust, to go with all of our fresh toppings, you can let your pizza cravings run wild. Peterson Toyota. Earning the trust of our loyal customers at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins every day for over 50 years. Metro by T-Mobile. Go to MetroByTMobile.com to find your perfect plan, all of which come with the power of T-Mobile's 5G network. M-Drive. Our boost and burn is specifically designed to help get you active, get lean, and burn fat. Get yours at mdriveformen.com. Award-winning barbecue for your next catered event, a concert at Allegiant Stadium, or at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Analytics and eyeballs from the Summer Skate Studios is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Jordan McAlpine. Well, welcome in, hockey fans, NCAA hockey fans. You asked for it, we deliver. This is our fourth NCAA, or actually our fourth college hockey podcast. Scott Strandy with you tonight from Denver, Colorado. My co-host on the new Analytics and Eyeballs, Jordan McAl- McAlpine, is joining me from uh, Omaha, Nebraska. So welcome, Jordan. How are you? Good. How you doing tonight, Scott? Little uh, little change of scenery this week, but excited to get going on this thing. Hopefully, uh, don't crash and burn too much in the maiden voyage, but uh, we'll we'll see how the night goes. We're we're here to have fun and talk hockey, so that can't be all bad. Uh, <laughs> let let me explain the format to the listeners out there that might be tuning in for the first time. Uh, this program, of course, we do three other college hockey podcasts, so this one is designed to dig into the uh, analytics and what I call eyeballs, which is the eye test of the teams that are playing in NCAA hockey. And I thought um, February is a great time to start that because we're getting ready for the stretch run. So first and foremost, we'll talk about the polls and we'll give our opinions and where we think uh, teams should be based on what we see with our own two eyes. And we'll also entertain questions. So if you want to join in on the podcast, you can submit a question uh, via the chat bar. Uh, you can ask to uh, come online and ask a question if you'd like. We'd be happy to take that as well. You can uh, DM either Jordan or myself uh, on our Twitter accounts and, uh, and in advance, and we'll talk about the questions if we get time. So that's kind of the format. It's going to be every Monday night live on the Podbean app at 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Jordan, thrilled to have you on board as part of the Ice Time Hockey Southwest team. So um, tell everybody out there what you do for a regular job. <laughs> yeah, so I'm uh, the beat writer here for Omaha um, at the Gateway newspaper, which is the student newspaper at UNO. Graduating here in the spring, but also do a bunch of other stuff with the NCHC for their website. 
college hockey news. I know the last few months I've done a bunch of podcasts with you guys here, um, some other freelance work. So a little uh, dip in the toes and a little bit of everything. But I do know with both yourself and I, Scott, we, uh, we're no strangers, especially to the NCHC and a lot of these teams that we're going to be talking about the next few months, few weeks here. But the uh, the other thing with this show specifically, I know uh, both of us have a lot of ideas to bring to the table. And for hockey fans, whether it's the next month or so here before uh, tournament play starts and then going into the summer, whether it's guest, uh, fan interaction, a lot of other stuff to come with it that uh, excited for the possibilities and potential with the new podcast here. And, and how excited are you to have uh, Paul Hornstein coming on uh, later in the show and given that Super 16? I know you've been chomping at the bit all day uh, to, to hear what Paul's got to say. So, folks, if you're looking for the Super 16, it's not coming out yet. It's coming out when Paul comes on in about 45 minutes or so. So hold your questions, hold your applause. Uh, Mr. Hornstein will be on to give it to us uh, later on in the show. In the meantime... Jordan and I have a bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, every Monday, the polls come out. Uh, Jordan, you know my thoughts on this. But before <laughs> I get into that, let me tell people something else. If you don't know uh, what Jordan and I do um, to uh, – how do I say it? To um, meet our passion of college hockey, Jordan drove from Omaha to Colorado College uh, in Colorado Springs last weekend. This very past weekend, you drove from Omaha to Grand Forks. I make the rounds from uh, all over Colorado, back to Arizona, back to Colorado. So uh, you and I have a passion for this. And you told me you were driving seven hours. I said, Jordan, you know what I call that? Half a trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tell there, everybody there, about those trips. Before we get in, we got to let people know what we do. There's, uh, as I'm sure you can attest to, there's nothing more scenic in uh, late January, early February than driving across whether it be Western Kansas out to Colorado Springs or across the Dakotas. But uh, I know you and I texted and joked off to the side about it. When I got up to Grand Forks on Thursday, that feels like temperature was hanging, hovering above negative 30 that night, that uh, going from 60 degrees in Colorado Springs the week before to that, when you're uh, standing in Grand Forks, North Dakota at the end of January, early February, it might make you rethink what you're doing a little bit. But at the same time, uh, Sitting up in that press box in a building like that and getting a weekend of hockey like I was treated to. Um, I know the last weekend out in Colorado Springs, too. Definitely the passion is there, and I think I speak for both of us in saying it's not only fun, but it's something that doesn't feel like work and something we enjoy doing. Yeah, I will echo those thoughts. Uh, also let people know that, um, you know, the college hockey scene, a couple of years ago, Jordan, when the pandemic hit, uh, people were saying college hockey was uh, maybe suffering the death nail. Maybe yep. programs would fall <laughs> apart. Um, that couldn't be farther from the truth as we speak here on February 7th, 2022. Things are growing in every direction. Yeah, and you know, you, you say that, and that is actually very true. Um, even with myself, I remember the couple of weeks after that 2019-20 uh, season that would have been where they uh, brought down the brought down the axe before the start of postseason play, you sat there and worried whether it was the Huntsvilles, the Alaskas, Robert Morris, all these schools around the country. That it's like holy crap! From a uh, sheerly budgeting standpoint, you didn't know what the repercussions were going to be for some schools. And sure, last couple of years here, we've seen you know, use the team that uh, you're all too familiar all too familiar with yourself in Anchorage as a client 
uh, perfect example of that. The uh, the writing is on the wall, and all of a sudden, the team's back on the uh, positive trend with it. That if if there's ever been a time that, granted, it's still not perfect, <laughs> but if college hockey is trending in the right direction, and even you see that with the interest around the country, it's a uh, it's a fun time to be involved in the sport, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. New teams coming around. New teams talking about coming around. Um, it's going to be fun. But new arenas too. New yeah, facilities. New arenas all over as the well. Place. Arizona States will open this uh, this June or July, something like that, and they'll be able to play a a full season in their first um, really NCAA quality rink, and it's second to none. The uh, the work that they put in there is is unbelievable. So, looking forward to that. Um, Let's jump into it. Uh, first one up is going to be the USCHO Division One's poll. I guess it's called the DCU slash USCHO Division One men's poll. Came mm-hmm. out today. Um, no shock, I don't think, in the first maybe four. I think almost everybody agrees with that. Minnesota State, number one. Quinnipiac, two. Denver, three. Michigan, four. They're pretty interchangeable, and possibly Western Michigan could join that group. Your thoughts on that, Jordan? You know, I am in that vote that uh, in my poll, I do have Western Michigan coming in at that four spot and Michigan at five. Um, I, I will say one through three. I do think Mankato is the number one team in this country right now. Now, granted, with Nathan Smith away at the Olympics, I know a lot of people are going to uh, play the devil's advocate role and wonder what that's going to look like. But, I mean, the, the Mavericks have four guys with over 30 points, Stryden, McKay, and Nett. A couple weeks ago, swept Arizona State. It's uh, it's no fluke, obviously, that they are where they are. And you look at the success they've had the last couple of years. That I do think they are the uh, proverbial, at least at least for this week and the time being, lock at number one. But I do think Denver and Quinnipiac. Either either way you look at that, and even for that matter, I'd go as far to say, granted, Western Michigan and Michigan in the four or five, but. Either of those uh, sets of teams, if that makes sense to you with the wording on that, are, are pretty interchangeable, and you can't go wrong either way. Well, for those that follow the uh, the NCAA tournament, they know there's going to be four regions. There's going to be uh, four teams in each region, and the number one seed in each region is the most important part. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're in the top four, does it really matter, Jordan, if you're ranked one or four? <laughs> no. And, you know, the, the one thing I will say that's interesting this year Looking at the uh, the the quote unquote regional sites around the country is uh, Denver to Loveland is obviously not a uh, not a very far uh, just a little bit of a stone's throw away right there. You almost wonder if that altitude can come into any type of a uh, little embedded factor or advantage for the pioneers because at least at least at the way that the season's trending right now, uh, Scott, I, th- I think you can agree with me on this one too. It's uh, it's looking awfully clear that Denver is going to be the host seat in that regional. Yeah, I, I would certainly agree with you on that. Having watched Denver many times, including this past weekend against St. Cloud State, which we will get to in uh, just a little bit. So, so that being said, as we speak right now, Jordan, it looks like Michigan and Western Michigan are going to be duking it out to see who gets that number one seed, <laughs> and it could mean, um, it could mean. Uh, who they play um, in in the first round could be a difference maker in the tournament. 
Well, well, if only those teams would have played a couple weeks or a couple months ago, I should say at this point, right? <laughs> no, uh, w- w- with, yeah. with with that though, I mean, especially with how the Big Ten's shaking out right now, um, with Western and the NCHC, that that two spot is not not uh, too far out of grasp for the Broncos, right there too. That from from each team's schedule standpoint in conference play, they're going to have the opportunity to make a real strong case for themselves down the stretch here. That uh, I, I do think we're still, and obviously this is probably the cliche answer for it, but we're still a few weeks away from having a uh, clear picture on how that's going to fall. But uh, it, if five weeks from now you were to tell me Western and Michigan – we're four and five in the country in either order. I would, uh, I would take that bet in a heartbeat for you. Yeah, I would too. So let's talk, uh, actually six through 10, since we brought up, um, five already. Um, Minnesota Duluth comes in at number six in the USCH, uh, O division one poll, followed by Minnesota, Ohio state, UMass and, uh, St. Cloud state. Um, your thoughts on the next five, Jordan. Yeah, I, uh, y- you know, the, th- the thing with me right now is with Minnesota is the interesting one, especially with um, losing Myers. And uh, with uh, obviously, we've talked at Wits End on Sunday night shows here recently with uh, the LaFontaine situation at net. Justin Close has been all right for them so far, though. I know uh, they played Notre Dame, who's another team I'm sure we're going to get into here in a little bit pretty well. Um, this weekend they, yeah, this weekend they play at Ohio State, which is arguably the uh, most important series left in the Big Ten slate the rest of the season, especially from a national seeding standpoint. I still do like the Gophers' depth. Um, I will say, consistency wise, especially earlier this season from Friday to Saturday, it's a. Uh, covering Omaha I'm no stranger to that uh that sequence either but with Minnesota <laughs> with Minnesota standpoint at least recently here they've started to really get back on track with that that uh down the rest of the way I uh I know USCHO had them behind Duluth I would entertain flipping those two um especially from Duluth standpoint watching them three weeks ago now that would have been a lot of that team's offense ran through Noah Cates. Well, lo and behold, Noah Cates is uh, about halfway across the world right now. That that uh, that hurts. And Fancy's been really good in net for the Bulldogs this year. I still do have question marks about their defensive core, some of the depth on that team. But at the end of the day, Scott Sandlin's teams, when you doubt them, seem to uh, find a way to rise to the occasion. And when you uh, go back the last four or five years, it, it's no secret why they've ended up having the success they have at the end of the year. Um, so I, I do think they're they're firmly implanted there at seven. Me personally, I would swap UMass and uh, Ohio State in the order they have them. I know USCHO had Ohio State at eight. Um now, if, if Ohio State takes care of business against Minnesota, that might change my perspective a little bit on that. But I will say with UMass, they, uh, they've they played well, not only in conference play, but even looking at some of their non-con, even though they're not all wins this year. I know they played Michigan well earlier this year. They've been really good against UMass Lowell, who's another team we'll get into here shortly. Um, and then looking at how the rest of their schedule sets up, I know they have Long Island, Maine, UConn, Vermont. They're, uh, the path is clear for UMass there. And then uh, last but not least, which 
I know uh, we've talked. We'll get into more later in this podcast. St. Cloud at 10. That is the uh, that's the one for the time being I'm not so sure about. So, Yeah, I think we're uh, in agreement on that. Uh, and just to let everybody know, I am a Minnesota Duluth alum, and, and I think um, – and maybe they'll prove me wrong this weekend, but I think they're a little high right now at 6. Uh, mm-hmm. I would probably have them at the uh, 8 nine range, something like that. Uh, I just want to see more. Uh, I said the same thing about Western Michigan coming into last weekend at Colorado College. And from what I saw on uh, our great NCHC.TV, Western was much better than the first time that I saw them play in person, which was at Denver. So uh, looking forward to seeing what they have. I I know they're very old. I know they're very Mm -hmm. experienced. I know they're very strong and physical but I just wonder about their depth and I wonder about their experience in tournament play when it's a one and done. Well, and, that's and I, I'll say I, about Western. I, I will say with Duluth too, uh, especially on that blue line. <laughs> I, I, I joked earlier this year, it feels like Louis rail has been in college hockey for about 10 to 15 years now, <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, in all sincerity with that experience, it's either a good or a bad thing. I mean, they've, you can pull the uh, the Ben there, done that type of thing with them. But I, just myself personally, after watching Duluth as much as I've seen them here the last few years, I don't know how I feel about their chances going into a postseason run. Um, I don't know if they do have the firepower that they have had some recent teams here. But I will say the one thing down the stretch here with them, those four games against St. Cloud are going to be a real big measuring stick in more ways than 1A from the conference standpoint standings wise but b just to kind of see how those teams go up against each other because uh i I think you could entertain they're in a little bit of the same boat right now so and also poll wise that i do think umass and uh, duluth are kind of interchangeable i know know you said in that 810 range but 789 with them in ohio state i uh any way you put them in pecking order I, i think makes sense right now Okay, so let's go 11. Uh, we're going to go 11 to 20 because we only go to 16 because there's only 16 teams. But um, let's do the top 20. So uh, 11 to 20, Notre Dame comes in at number 11, mm-hmm. North Dakota at 12, UMass Lowell at 13, Michigan Tech at 14, Northeastern 15, Cornell 16, Providence 17, Omaha 18th, Clarkson 19th, and Boston University number 20 currently. As we know... Um, you, you're not getting in if you're uh, above 16. Actually, you're probably not getting in if you're above 15 because Atlantic will have an automatic bid in there and take one spot. So um, there's some work to be done for some of these others. But uh, fortunately for them, um, maybe, what, 13 through 20 are all pretty tight, especially yeah. in the pairwise, which we'll get into in a minute. Uh, well, I would even uh, – I do think North Dakota, I, I know there's um, – been a little bit of concern in Grand Forks this year on some fronts, but I, I do think that at them at 12 right now is a pretty safe bet at the end of the year. Um, 13 through 20, though, you, you just said it yourself. I, I could really see that shaken out anyway. The one thing I will say, though, is uh, I would group St. Cloud in there, too, um, which if you want to go ahead and get into that that subject right now with it that I know uh, – you and I have talked the last uh, last few days about this. That's got to be arguably the biggest disappointment, especially in the NCHC, coming in as the preseason favorite. But one of them around the country, and look look at their bench now. You're without Brett Larson as your head coach. 
Nick Perbix and Sam Henches are away at the Olympics this weekend against Denver. Hrenik showed uh, showed some flaws consistency wise. They're struggling to defend. I know you get the nineteen or twenty goals, however much they scored against Miami. <laughs> you got to take that with a grain of salt, though, considering the uh, the team you're going up against. There, they've uh, lost three of their last four. Coming up here, you got Tuesday night games against Duluth, a big series against Western. The uh, not not in a good way. Everything is there for uh, the potential for the wheels to fall off with how that team's going right now. And right right now, they're sitting in sixth in the NCHC standings. That uh, top four might still be within reach, especially with them having as many games against Duluth as they do. But for the preseason favorite coming into it. They uh they definitely have not uh not lived up to the expectations I know myself you and a lot of other people around this conference had for them. Yeah, I would echo all of those thoughts, and I would tell you if a lug nut came off a wheel, it may have come off uh, the last five minutes or so of the uh, Saturday night game against Denver. Yeah, um, Mr. Bushy took a. Uh, Really, really bad penalty against Bobby Brink, uh, a five-minute major for boarding. Uh, it basically put Denver, who was up at the time, one nothing on the power play for um, the remainder of the game. Um, and they could have, uh, if not for a bad penalty from Cameron Wright, uh, kept that power play rolling uh, all the way through. Uh, as it was, they got about three and a half minutes of power play time. And... Um, you know what? We saw the captain, Cole Gutman, score the, the game-winning – well, not the game-winning goal, but the uh, ceiling goal, I call it. Makes it a 2 nothing game, and um, that was uh, that was all she wrote. So, yeah, I, I think um, there might be a little shakeup with the guys gone and the head coach gone and, and maybe a little, uh, a little shakiness. We'll see. We'll see if mm-hmm. they can put it back together. But um, the Olympic Games don't even start, Jordan, until Thursday for no. Team USA. So – they're going to miss a couple of weekends at least before they get back. And and where will everybody be by then? And I think that, that goes right back to Michigan, too. Where's Michigan going to be without their guys? Because they got some big-name guys that are gone. Well, and especially from St. Cloud's standpoint, let's, uh, let's say the U.S. either reaches the final or gets close to it. St. Cloud's going to be without all those guys for a minimum of five games. With the Western series, the t- the first Tuesday night Duluth game, and then the series here in Omaha when St. Cloud comes down here, that uh, like I said, time's already ticking against that team from a uh, NCHC standpoint of really climbing their way back up the sta- uh, standings with it. That those guys aren't uh, aren't going to be gone for just a weekend type of thing, and obviously you saw that more than I did out at uh, Denver this weekend. I will say the other thing, though, to touch on North Dakota, the uh, about the only concern I have also kind of goes back into that Olympic situation. We all know how good Jake Sanderson is. The depth of that team, even against Omaha Saturday night, they lost uh, both Louis Jamernick and Mark Sendon to injuries right there and right away, which is a big part of what fueled Omaha's comeback. Defensively, though, the uh, the depth there, guys like Brent Johnson getting elevated Luke Bast getting elevated to roles that they normally wouldn't have um I know they're without Ferner up there already Driscoll's been down at times this year even though I will give him credit obviously NCHC goaltender of the week today he uh he played well against Omaha but there are a uh, a few question marks up in the air and then the other thing I will say 
Um, Tyler Clevin is one more major away from a suspension that Friday night against Omaha had a big hit on Ty Mueller that clean hit, but hits like that where you're going to go out of your way to make the big play from North Dakota standpoint, if he gets one more suspension that, uh, that puts a real hole and, uh, question mark on the depth of that blue line for them. So that is the, uh, St. Cloud would be the team that I would be much more concerned with in the NCHC standpoint, but I know both of those schools are going through a similar thing right now with the guys they have away. Well, for those that don't know, if the uh, tournament was going to start today, uh, we'd be looking at five NCHC teams and four Big Ten teams. So nine out of the 16 would come from two conferences. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had the discussion last night, Joe, Paul Hornstein and I did with – the uh, former captain at uh, AIC, Bryant Christian, um, told us that, you know what, he thinks it's time that we start expanding the uh, national tournament and maybe get a, a, another conference or two going so that there's more auto bids because, um, you know, there's a lot of bids taken up. And, and, of course, then on the flip side of that, you go Big Ten and uh, NCHC are going to be saying, like, hey, hey, you're taking up our spot. So I think the two have to go hand in hand. I think they need to expand in conferences and also expand the number of teams in the NCAA tournament. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I can see an argument on both sides. Um, per, I know a lot. some people out there have their uh, concerns and flaws with the pairwise. I will stay with myself right now looking at it um, just strictly reflected on the caliber of play that you see in those teams in the NCHC and Big Ten that uh, – there's a reason those teams are in those positions. And if you do go with the more auto bid situation, I do think you uh, run the risk of opening a can of worms with some teams, if you know what I mean, that otherwise may or may not have been in that situation that it it's the uh, granted, we're not talking like a college football playoff with, where they're only at four teams right now at 16. I do think that they are at a good number, but at the same time, I, uh, I could see the argument made either way. With with myself, I I'd say um, more so leaning towards where it is now. That I do think they have a good system, but at the same time, I would uh, definitely entertain the other other side of that argument. Well, I'll throw you out what uh, Brian suggested. He suggested a twenty team tournament where uh, the first uh, the number one seed in each region would get a buy a buy basically. So um, two would play. Uh, Five, I guess, and well, I don't know how he said it, but uh, he basically broke it down that way to uh, to where it would be a reward to finish and earn the number one seed in a region because uh, you would get a team that would have already have played once. So uh, inter- interesting talk. I think it's going to come about again, especially as more teams come into NCAA hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that note, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back in about three minutes and uh, dig in. Uh, the USA Today poll is almost identical, but we'll touch on a couple of things, and then we'll uh, lead it into our very own Super 16 at about 15 after the hour. So we'll be right back. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you, wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. 
any hockey player in the desert southwest. And they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. Still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. Welcome back in, hockey fans. You're listening to the Analytics and Eyeballs podcast, our newest college hockey podcast. Scott Strandy with you tonight from beautiful Denver, Colorado. What was a balmy 52 degrees today? Um, loving this weather, loving this state. It's wonderful. Uh, and my co-host, Jordan McAlpine from beautiful Omaha, Nebraska. Um, <laughs> Jordan chuckles when I say that, but it could be worse. You could be uh, on Long Island, New York, or somewhere like that. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, you know, it got up, got up around 50, or uh, over 50 today here, too, so I, I can't complain on that front. I will say uh, you're getting spoiled a little bit out there in the state of Colorado between the, uh, the Avs and DU with the home record both of those teams have put together. Yeah, uh, getting some uh, some good hockey to take in on a nightly basis. Yeah, I didn't even tell you that, but I went to see the uh, Avs, or maybe I did, uh, the Avs and the Coyotes last Tuesday night. Uh, I thought, you know what, I'll just go, I'll go check it out. Uh, so I was uh, graciously accepted into the press box at Ball <laughs> Arena. And uh, before the game, about seven minutes to go, I'm going like, you know, 
um, I'm hearing this point streak and I'm hearing the Caesars app and, and, and all talking to me saying like, hey, you know, that's uh, plus 450. Um, maybe you want to bet on the Coyotes to pull the upset. I'm going like before, right before the All-Star game, maybe uh, about six minutes in, I'm going like I got my app open. I'm going like, uh, should I, should I not? And I did not. And, of course, guess what happened? The uh, Arizona Coyotes pulled the upset, not from a lack of effort from uh, the Avs for sure. They took them down as long as they could take them. And uh, basically it came down to goaltending in a shootout. Uh, Paul Hornstein's favorite thing, the shootout. Uh, if, you, if you ever want to get into it with him, just ask him uh, about the shootout in NHL hockey. He'll let you know. Uh, well, so I was, anyway. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I just looked it up for you. Uh, DU and the Avs combined are 33-2-3 and three on home ice this year. So, uh, That's ridiculous. That is, uh, that that is ridiculous. quite the win percentage, to say the least. <laughs> Yeah, they can uh, they can start dropping some checks in the mail to me because yeah. I'm, <laughs> uh, anyway, we love our pioneers out here. We love the Avs as well, but we love all of our teams. And by the way, it's a great time to mention that Alaska is going to be joining our uh, coverage area. And who knows? Maybe we poke a little bit in your direction and, and get the uh, Omaha Mavericks in as well uh, next season. So expanding coverage for sure. Um, Okay, as I mentioned uh, before the break, USA Today and the USA Hockey Magazine men's college hockey poll, the other major poll uh, out there, pretty much has the same all the way down. I think where I start seeing some differences, uh, maybe at 13, 14, and 15, I see University of uh, Massachusetts Lowell, UMass Lowell, Michigan Tech, and Cornell at 13, 14, and 15. Your Mm -hmm. thoughts on those, Jordan? Yeah, I'm uh I'm a little bit off the Cornell bandwagon after uh after the way they've played here the last couple of weeks with it. Um I will say I know uh you and Paul will get into it too later here. I, I think all three of us are in agreement. Maybe uh we're a little higher on UMass Lowell. I'd slot them in somewhere in the nine, ten, eleven range. I know I have them at ten in mine. Um I've been good at home, balanced scoring wise. Uh, Owen Savory has been good in net. I want to say his goals against is hovering somewhere around one eight, one nine type of thing. That uh, they've been good against ranked teams, except UMass. That's uh, that's been the one uh, hurdle they've been able to climb this year. Been unable to climb, I I should say. Um, but UMass Lowell, I would say, is up there. And then uh, who was the other team you had mentioned? Uh, Michigan Tech. Michigan Tech. Yeah, I. Personally, I'd, I have them hovering around 16 right now. I don't know if I'm entirely sold on them, um, especially tying St. Thomas there. I know uh, off the top of my head recently, I want to say they beat Bemidji, if I'm not mistaken, swept them. But uh, their, their scoring worries me a little bit. But at the same time in the CCHA, going up against Mankato uh, at the top dogs there, that it uh, – it makes makes the fight a little bit tougher, but Michigan Tech's right in that conversation. And as we said before the break, I mean, 13 through 20, you can stack them up in about any way you want, and there's an argument to be made right now. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Um, it, with the two major polls, that leads us to the one that really counts, I think, and that's the pairwise. <laughs> and uh, when you get into the pairwise, um, that's, that's what's going to be used to determine uh, – who gets in the national tournament. And there's always going to be something coming down the stretch. So uh, when we look at the pairwise, obviously, number one, they have Michigan, uh, followed by Minnesota State, Denver, and Western Michigan. 
uh, in the uh, and actually they have Denver and Western Michigan tied for the third spot. So, mm-hmm. um, your your thoughts on the pairwise? Is that more accurate? That's the analytic part of this thing. It's not just eyeballs. It's all analytics <laughs> on the pairwise. Yeah, well, you you know it, and I know it, especially at this time of year. The uh, the pairwise is the one you can arguably put the most stock into. Just uh, just with the way the way that implicates the tournament at the end of the year. Now, at the same time, and uh, I know it with Omaha specifically, it's a uh, it's a weird formula at times with that. But even a, a few weeks ago, when the Mavs played Duluth. They uh they actually fell more the night that they beat Duluth than the night they lost to them, just as a byproduct of the uh, teams around them type of thing. That the uh, pairwise it's all it's always fun to keep tabs and pay attention to uh, how much movement there is, especially in that I I'd, I'd say 13, 14 to twenty two type of range where uh, one loss or one win can uh, either either move you down one or two spots or drop you five or six type of thing. You never know. And then also the non-conference play earlier in the year. I mean, you, using Omaha as an example again with it, but you play a Lake Superior State or an Alaska or a Maine type of thing, paying attention to now four or five months later type of thing, how they're doing against other teams. That it's a uh, interesting concept. I, I will say... All of the polls, especially at this time of year, still with a month to go in the regular season, I uh, I do think you can uh, put a little bit of stock into it. I know a lot of coaches out there will say you can't, <laughs> that uh, they don't want you from their uh, player standpoint, obviously paying attention to those. But at the same time with the pairwise, that uh, the, the numbers for themselves speak, especially with the type of non-conference wins that you get and the implications they have, but then at the same time you look at it, and if you got a team like Michigan Tech at eight, um, just looking at it, I know I know Notre Dame 13, UMass Lowell 14, Merrimack 15, Providence 16. Once again, all those teams you can make an argument for that uh, it's, like you said it yourself, it's the eyeballs versus the stats themselves that uh, the pairwise and the USCHO poll, USCHO poll, you get a uh, a little bit of both of those things going for you. So when you put them side by side, uh, there's there's a lot of arguments to be made and a lot of uh, a lot of opinion that gets injected into those too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess um, <clears throat> when I look at the pairwise, and I know this is going to be the defining uh, the defining. Um, poll if you want to or ranking when mm-hmm. it comes down to it but they would put michigan minnesota state denver and western michigan in the top four i don't think we'd really have an argument with that i'm sure quinnipiac would um but um I, I don't think with with the eyeball test that i would say that that that's wrong that's the wrong four and yeah again, and that it doesn't really matter, really, I don't think, because we know it, if Denver's in the top four, they're going to be the number one seed in, uh, in Loveland, no doubt. And that's where I, I get to the, uh, the stats versus the, the eyeball test with that, that at the end of the day, no matter, uh, no matter how we feel that those teams stack up, come, uh, come selection, uh, selection Sunday per se here when they're going to put together the tournament and the brackets for it, the pairwise is going to be the one with the most weight in that situation that uh, whether you and I think Michigan tech is at eight or 16, the pairwise says eight, <laughs> there's your answer. So it's yeah, a, uh, yeah. 
It's well, that's it's that's a, the beauty of this podcast is we can bring up uh, these topics and let people fight it out and see what uh, and make the case for your team. If you if you think your team deserves it, like I'm looking at Quinnipiac right now, they have the number one win percentage rank in the country. They're twenty three two and three, but you got to look at who they played. And uh, how they played in those games. They played a lot of close games against a lot of teams, which, quite frankly, uh, are not the same as who Michigan or Minnesota State or Denver or even Western Michigan have played throughout the year. So um, to have them at five, yeah, I know they've only lost two games and tied three, but uh, are you going to really put them ahead of any one of those top four? You know, and I'll, I'll be the first one to say it. Uh... In all honesty, I can't say myself that I've seen a whole lot of Quinnipiac hockey this year, but at the same time, kind of goes back to what I was telling you right before the break there about the argument with whether it's 16 or 20 or any potential tournament expansion. I notice some people, especially out on the East Coast, when you look and see five NCHC teams or four Big Ten, however that shakes out for you, at the same time, to me, it's that way for a reason, With the especially this season with the caliber of those teams and the caliber of play. Uh, you look in the NCHC right now, I mean, you, you could argue for some teams every series you play the rest of the way is going to be against a ranked team just with six of the eight being within the top 20. That uh, I, I do think there should be some – that should be taken into consideration, I guess, is the best way to put it when you look at a Quinnipiac versus a Western versus the Denver even Michigan in the Big Ten with Michigan, Ohio State, and Minnesota all being right there. Now, at the same time, has Quinnipiac been, been good? Without a doubt. Are they a top team in the country? Without a doubt. Are they the top? I don't know about that. And obviously, that's uh, that's up for, for opinion and everybody else to uh, to debate on that front. But you said it yourself there at, uh, at five. It There's an argument to be made either way you look at it there. So... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting, I think, this year about the Parawise, and I usually follow it quite closely. I haven't, um, in, in the past, I don't recall exactly all of uh, the ties. But but as I look at it today, Jordan, uh, Michigan Tech and Minnesota are, are tied for eighth. St. Cloud mm-hmm. and Ohio State are tied for 10th. North Dakota and Notre Dame are tied for 12th. Merrimack and Providence are tied for 15th. Yeah. That, that tells me that the numbers are just way too close to, uh, <laughs> to call, if you will. And, and that means that every game from here on out is going to mean a ton for everyone. Well, and if it's any indication from uh, looking at it right now, from uh, 22 to 14 is separated by a total of seven points. And you know it and I know it. <laughs> a uh, one, oh, one or two points or whatever, whatever the case on any given night can be the difference between falling a few spots or gaining a couple of spots and gaining ground on people. And I know um, <laughs> it's kind of, kind of a bottle bottleneck, but even at the top there, 58, 57, Denver and Western tied at 55 and Quinnipiac and UMass right behind them that there's a, uh, there's a lot of dominoes and a lot of uh, interchanging spots that we're going to see here the last month or so of the season. And it, it's crazy to think you can pull the argument, oh, we're still four four weeks, five weeks away from the end of the, the season where this matters. But at the same time, two, three weeks from now, you're, uh, you're really going to start to see a better idea of what's at stake for a lot of these teams, especially the people on the bubble. 
And you know, and I know it too. If you're in that nine through 12 region right now too, it's just as easy for you to fall down as it is for those teams to gain on you in the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think one thing we do know is I think those top five teams are, are pretty solid. I really don't think they're going to yeah. change. Um, they're not going to drop out of the top five. It's going to be where they are. And again, like I said, does it really matter? Because we know if you're a top seed, one of the top four anyway, you're going to be the number one seed in a regional. And the way it works is they try to put you in uh, your closest regional, uh, mostly for fan uh, benefit, I guess. But um, and also ticket revenue that doesn't hurt. Well, so. <laughs> and that that's the in, that's the interesting about this year. If if you actually look at it and do a dive into it, um, you you look at those teams at the top right now. Obviously, you got Love Loveland with Denver is the automatic connection right there. Minnesota State right there is a Western-based team. I know Michigan and Western Michigan are uh, geographically maybe leaning a little bit more towards the east, but when you look at the grand scheme of things in the college hockey landscape, you could uh, you could make the argument of a uh, sending a team from Kalamazoo, Michigan to uh, Worcester or Albany or whatever the case may be. You've got three really Eastern-based regional sites this year. And you got four of the five teams in the country that are arguably pushing as a Western-based team. That uh, I know Denver to Loveland is obviously probably the shoe-in with it, but if if you're Mankato or or uh, Western or whoever the case up there, there's a uh, there's a little bit of an argument to be made on where you end up with it. Yeah, and I think the other thing that'll start to come uh, a little bit clearer down the down the road, if you will, or uh, as the calendar uh, turns towards March. Um, is is who are those number one teams going to play? Who's going to be the four seed in mm-hmm. in each region? And that's something that's uh, going to be curious as well. Um, so anyway, I, I will tell you real quickly before we uh, take one more quick break and then jump into uh, our surprise guest. Nah, he's not a surprise. It's Paul <laughs> Hornstein bringing in the Super 16 here in just a minute or so. But um, David Carl told me last weekend that – or last week before the weekend that uh, he looked at the next – three weekends the next six games is being huge for him um he got the first part done he swept st cloud state at home this weekend he gets minnesota duluth at home and then probably the biggest weekend of the year uh and i don't know who would have thought this beginning of the year is going to be denver at western michigan but it could determine uh who gets that number four slot or you know one of the top four slots i guess and i guess possibly they could both get in there but um it's going to be interesting, and he knows it, and so do all the pioneers. Yeah, and especially, and we'll uh, we'll touch on this more in Paul's Super 16 here coming up. But uh, playing at Lawson this year has not been any and any year for that matter is it an easy task? But especially playing at Western at home this year, that uh, that's going to be the make or break series. I, I do like Denver's chances of. Uh, I don't know if I want to go as far to say uh, sweep and, uh, and jinx that one, but uh, at least getting a, a decent amount of points, I guess we'll leave it at, against Duluth when they come to Magnus next week, especially with the uh, success Denver has had on home ice this year. But uh, that Western series looms large, obviously. North Dakota's up there, too. Um, you got Western, North Dakota, and Denver, theoretically, could finish any order one through three. And you, I, I think I speak for all of us that there'd be no surprise for it to finish any of that way. 
But I will say from Denver's standpoint, especially if you can clear that Western hurdle, I do think they have the easiest path. Two left against CC, which I know there's the rivalry there, but looking at uh, how those games went at uh, two, two, three weeks, or about a month ago now, I guess I should say, between those two schools um, and just the caliber of play from Denver to CC, you would think there's six points there. I know Denver swept Omaha out at DU a couple months or mid-January, I guess I should say, a couple weeks ago, that uh, especially with the success they've had against the Mavs the last few years here, I would think they'll take a decent amount of those points from that weekend there. And like I said, Duluth, that uh, if they can go into Kalamazoo and at least walk away with points in some form or fashion and take care of business the rest of the way, especially with a uh, six-point cushion, I think now they're five up on North Dakota, and I want to say they're six up on Western, that uh, as long as they can get something out of that series in Kalamazoo, I do like DU's chances. to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. If you live in the Valley, you know that there is no shortage of great Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos served all day to combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to burritoexpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. Welcome back in. This is Analytics and Eyeballs, the latest college hockey podcast at ITHSW Podcast. Scott Strandy with you in Denver, Colorado tonight. My co-host, Jordan McAlpine from Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, Mr. Super 16 is coming on board. <laughs> Paul Hornstein out on Long Island, New York. We, we propped him up. We got him out of that beautiful uh, estate of his out there and, and brought him on to give us the Super 16 tonight. So, Paul, how are you? I'm um, doing good. I'm gonna throw a few monkeys in this wrench when you're when you're done. Do I, do I actually have to read the sixteen? Or no, I, I I can I can read them and then and then you can comment on how you got them in that position. 
Well, Fair enough. Okay, that's fine. We can do it that way if you want. Okay, or you can read them too if you like. No, 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 no. We hear my <laughs> voice enough on this thing. That's the whole point. I'll, I'll, supp- I'll supply <laughs> the drum roll. All right, here we go. Here's the drum roll, folks. The Super 16 coming from uh, College Hockey Southwest Live. Our very own Paul Hornstein. Uh, Minnesota State, number one. Quinnipiac, number two. Denver, three. Michigan, four. Western Michigan, five. UMass, six. UMass Lowell, seven. North Dakota, eight. Ohio State, nine. Notre Dame, 10. Michigan Tech, 11. Minnesota, 12. Minnesota Duluth, 13, Clarkson, 14, Northeastern, 15, and Providence, 16. Paul, you've got some different things in there, and we know that you use a lot of eyeballs when we talk about this, as well as the analytics, but tell us about it. I think your top four um, is pretty pretty solidified. Most of us agree that's probably the top four. Maybe Western slides in there, but nobody really else is going to challenge for those, right? Well, no, not really. I mean, um, and, and Justin said it before, you know, we'd have a real easy way to break the tie at, at, or, the, or the theoretical, maybe we slide one team in there over the other if one team hadn't said, oh, no, we're afraid. Oh, no, they didn't say they were afraid. They said they <laughs> yeah, okay. But you played the night before, okay? And apparently it is not all roses and and wine in that locker room either um so hold on one second so i think paul's talking about michigan folks um who did not want to play a hockey game uh back to back which would have been against western michigan which could have been um a nightmare scenario for them at that time yeah well i mean Let's face it. I mean, it's it, it's. Um, I don't really know any other way to put it without calling him outright cowards, <laughs> or at least the coach, who apparently was pushing to not play that game for about two or three weeks. Um, if the reports are accurate, and the emails are accurate, um. So. I don't know if I want to put any money on them in a tight spot in the NCAA tournament. So, Paul, what 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 you're saying is you won't be the one uh, sitting there banging the drum in Ann Arbor, Michigan, anytime soon. No, no, <laughs> I'll be banging the drum against them, but that's neither here nor there. Okay, so so here's where I think the eyeballs come in, and uh, I tend to agree with you on this, Paul. Five through eight. Um, you look at Western Michigan, UMass, UMass Lowell, and North Dakota. What do you see in there that maybe the numbers aren't telling us? Uh, I, I just see consistency. Um, the, this, this section of teams just kind of keeps rolling, winning and winning and winning. And listen, it, it's not necessarily always an NCHC schedule, but – when you win, you can only play who's in front of you. Mm-hmm. But when you win and you do it consistently, consistently, and when most of the country is splitting every weekend, that's got to count for something. And, you know, when you're talking about 
UMass and Lowell. Uh, okay, maybe Hockey East is not what Hockey East has been in the past. But, you know, it's not D3 hockey either. And, and let me ask you this, and I think this is another point to bring up, is UMass the defending champions, UMass mm-hmm. Lowell with a great coach, experienced coach, and we all know the pedigree at North Dakota. Uh, I'm not going to bet against any of those teams in the tournament. Well, you might have to eventually because they're going to play each other eventually. But. <laughs> yeah. I just said I wasn't going to bet against them because uh, I think they're they're about as even as it gets. So uh, then the next set, 9, 10, 11, and 12, you've got Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan Tech, and Minnesota. Um, I, yeah, I, gosh, Paul, I agree with you there too because uh, I, I be think – wrong then. <laughs> I truly think that that Minnesota in the other polls is rated too high. I just they haven't shown me enough yet. Um, you know they're they they have been very inconsistent, and this is kind of where the inconsistencies start to creep into my sixteen when you start to get down there about in that last group of four. Um. You know, Notre Dame has been very consistent. Michigan Tech has been very consistent. Once again, are they playing NCHC schedules? No. But they're not playing, like I said, they're not playing D3 teams. Okay? And even, you know, you still have to play St. Thomas. You can't just throw your equipment out on the on the ice and expect to win those games. Especially when you play at St. Thomas. Rico Blasi's not going to put guys out there that are not. Um, listen, they're an expansion team. We get it, but you know he's not going to throw players out there for the sake of throwing them out there. It's not. Yeah, they're a Division One program at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, and you better be ready to play. Okay, so let's go to the last four. Um, you've got Minnesota Duluth at thirteen, Clarkson at fourteen, Northeastern at fifteen. Uh, Providence at 16. So if I'm looking at that right, um, Minnesota Duluth, if the tournament were to start today, could be a, what, late three or early four seed. Uh, yeah. Do you want to play Minnesota Duluth if you're number one seed right off the get-go? Well, uh, since I don't have the – since uh, no, but that's where they, they really have been inconsistent too and at home. And and, I'm looking forward to seeing this weekend series because I think this is where they're going to have to bring it. And, and and they do get the benefit of playing that NCHC schedule, which is why they're seventh in the pairwise. I, w- I will touch on with one of your teams, Paul, there, the uh, the Clarkson pick. They're, uh, they're a team, I know out of the gate, started off really slow. I know a lot of people right. point to the Alaska loss early on. Um, uh off the top of my head, I want to say they lost to St. Lawrence, it was. And then I know they got uh, beat by Michigan Tech, which is actually uh, <laughs> not looking as bad for them right now with no, the year that Michigan Tech has went on to either. play. That uh, with Clarkson's situation, they've came on strong here late. That uh, They're one of the teams I think is a dark horse, per se, to a lot of people. And I know in the USHO polls, and a lot of, they've been floating in that kind of 17 to 20 range here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm entirely sold on them yet. I, I still do think that they are obviously on the bubble and are going to have to fight their way in there. That they're, uh, 
they're a they're a really compelling case though to be made for them. Well, yeah, and and if you look, and and honestly, as you guys said before, and 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 I'll throw out a scenario that you guys can think about for next week. Uh, you know, before we give the the poll, um, in, in a moment, you look at any of those teams from from twelve all the way down to 22 from, from North Dakota to Connecticut and any of those teams, it's so close that any of those teams can get in. And I want the chaos of AIC being at 15 or 16 <laughs> going into that last week because <laughs> that would throw people for an absolute tizzy if they don't win the conference. Imagine that Paul Hornstein looking for a little chaos. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, uh, uh <clears throat> You know, like I said, you could throw any of those team, any of those ten teams, in those last couple of spots in the poll, um, but uh, there are still so many games left because so many games have had to be rescheduled. And one of those polls has Cornell still in them, and I don't understand that either at all. Yeah, that that's the team that, if you ask me, has fallen off the cliff the most here the last few weeks here. Especially coming off that high, I know they've been without their coach on top of it and some some uh, off the ice stuff there. But with you, you go into Grand Forks and beat North Dakota and then almost self implode after that. It's it's uh, puzzling to say the least. Is the uh, the best way best word or best way to put it with them? Yeah. yeah. But you you talk about that schedule, and I know that's something we talked about before we had you on here, Paul. But you look at Duluth and St. Cloud. That uh, I know St. Cloud is a team you had left out that I'm assuming is uh, still pushing the bubble there. But obviously Duluth is not in uh, exactly a uh, much of a safe blanket or security net floating beneath them right now. That those four games against each other head to head could either go one of two ways, where if you uh, clean sweep it and really skew it in your favor, or you battle it out and beat each other up and kind of take away at each other's chances. That's uh. In the NCHC specifically, I guess that's my most most interesting thing down the stretch here, but kind of what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, when anything happens in any of those games, does it surprise anybody? Other, I mean, not to take away from Miami, but let's face it. Um, any of those other seven teams can beat anybody legitimately on any other night. Mm-hmm. And we've got and, – and, we have not seen a whole lot of sweeps in January and early February in this league. And, you know, so that means teams are going on the road and winning. And yep. good teams do that. Yes, they do. The, the other conference, Paul, uh, you know, you've got four teams uh, from the Big Ten when you look at what we have. Or, um, do I have four or do you have three? Um, you got three, four. maybe four. Yeah, yeah. four. He's got four. Okay. But, uh, Ohio state with 21 wins, Notre Dame with 20 wins, Michigan with 21 wins and Minnesota with 17. Um, and they all keep playing each other in that conference. And then they have a conference tournament. Um, it, it, it's, uh, it's bizarre how tight these races are. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, Ohio state was picked to finish last yep. in their league. Yeah, go figure, right? Okay. And, you know, they're kind of like Michigan Tech. They just 
kind of keep going and going and going and and eventually you have to say all right this is not a fluke anymore yeah they they've been impressive the last few weeks here too and i know we touched on it earlier but that series with minnesota they have coming up that uh that's the real make or breaker in those big 10 standings arguably down the stretch here yeah so i mean there is still so much and these teams are so close and, and and I'll throw this out there, and you guys can discuss this at least start to discuss it next week because uh, we it would it'll really throw uh, some things in there. Um, we just all always naturally assume that the number one seeds will get placed as close to home as possible. That's not always the case. Yeah, that's getting thrown out the door this year. <laughs> okay, um, if you're number four in the pairwise and you have to go play Quinnipiac at Worcester? Hello? Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I think we have to continue to talk about too is that with all these tight conference races, what if there's a, as Paul likes to say, chaos in the conference tournament? And, and let me give you two examples. What if uh, somehow, some way, um, the Colorado College Tigers get on a roll <laughs> and get into the frozen face-off and win the frozen face-off and get the auto bid from the NCHC. Then what? Uh, here's more chaos. What happens in the Big Ten race if Penn State comes out of nowhere and, and wins the Big Ten tournament? Now you've got more chaos. So uh, anything can happen down the stretch, and it goes right back to what we talked about last night, Paul. It's parody like never before in college hockey. I say bring it on. Let's go. Yeah, and well, I, I'll say, Scott, I uh, actually joked with someone this past weekend about that exact uh, possibility with Colorado College, even though uh, you you and I both, all three of us, I should say, all know where the, uh, the odds of that potentially happen lay. But uh, even in the NCHC, as an example, let, let's say hypothetically Omaha was to go on a run there and end up as the team coming out of it. I, I think a lot of us are in agreement right now that Omaha probably isn't a team that, granted, if they catch fire here down the stretch, that could uh, that could change something. But I don't think a lot of a lot of us see them as a uh, quintessential tournament team right now. But if they go into St. Paul and get that auto bid, are you going to have uh, – we've talked about it already this year, but are you going to have six teams from the one conference in the tournament? Who knows? But it's uh, it's a slippery slope either way you look at it. Yeah, and I mean, let's not um, let's not forget that Isaiah Seville is a guy that can carry his team. Yep. Okay. Um, it's a little harder in the two out of threes, but if you get to that last group of four, one and yeah. done, baby, one and, and that, done. That that team, uh, they're they're finding consistency on Friday and Saturday away from uh from really really having a chance down the stretch here. I will say their schedule does set up favorable. They got six straight at home to close out the year too. That uh it all all it takes is you said it yourself, Scott, with uh you get a hot goaltender, you get uh catch fire at the right time of year, the possibilities are endless. So uh but Chaos is uh, is awaiting, I guess I should say. So, <laughs> yeah. The the final thing I'll say on this is, 
um, how crazy and how loud would people scream from other conferences if that chaos happened and uh, you had two teams that were not in the tournament, one from the Big Ten, one from the NCHC, win the auto bids, and you brought in 11 teams from two conferences. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the oh. screams would be so loud, our eardrums would break. Well, listen, you're always going to get that. I mean, that is just the way it, w- it, it would end up being. I don't, it would, you know, I, I, I don't see that happening. But, yeah, usually, yeah. usually things work out. I'm just saying that if it did happen, oh my goodness, we would have a battle. Yeah, um, it'll give us plenty to talk about. <laughs> oh, will it ever? That's why we do four shows now because we need four shows for college hockey. Albeit one of them is uh, an ACHA one, but uh, goodness gracious, things are getting better. Paul, thanks for coming on and giving us a Super 16. I like it. I like the numbers. I'll read them one more time for everybody. We'll put them up on the uh, social media accounts right after the show. Jordan, thanks for doing a, a yeoman's job but coming on your first uh, your first show with us. That's awesome. So <laughs> let me read the uh, the Super 16, and then uh, I'll let you take it away with the close. And we will say goodnight on the first episode of Analytics and Eyeballs, another look deep inside the NCAA. Here we go, folks, the Super 16. Number one, Minnesota State. Number two, Quinnipiac. Number three, Denver. Number four, Michigan. Number five, Western Michigan. Number six, UMass. Number seven, UMass Lowell. Number eight, North Dakota. Number nine, Ohio State. Number 10, Notre Dame. Number 11, Michigan Tech. Number 12, Minnesota. Number 13, Minnesota Duluth. Number 14, Clarkson. Number 15, Northeastern. And number 16, Providence. And uh, Jordan, take it away and we'll say goodnight. Yeah, and thanks to everyone who tuned in for our first episode here, uh, Analytics and Eyeballs, myself, Jordan McAlpine, and Scott Strandy. Um, been listening from the Summer Skate Studios. Been brought to you by NCHC and NCHC.tv. Subscribe to NCHC.tv today to catch all the action from the toughest conference in all of college hockey. Drury Inn and Suites, now an official Disney World hotel. Book your stay at our new Lake Buena Vista location opening this October or any location at DruryHotels.com. By Summer Skates. Whether you use your own name and number or want to represent your favorite player, show off your game and style. Visit summerskates.com today for more information on how to get personalized shower shoes, koozies, and more. By Metro by T-Mobile, switch to our $60 a month plan, which includes an Amazon Prime membership. See one of our stores for more details today. Behind the Mask, no one knows goalie needs better than we do. Visit behindthemask.com or our three Valley locations for more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Our food is summed up in one word, perfection. By M-Drive, for supplements to fuel your refine your drive, visit mdriveformen.com. Peterson Toyota, located at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins. Our staff works hard to make sure you get the car that fits your needs best. Shop our selection of both new and pre-owned vehicles today. By Jets Pizza, it's more than just great pizza. You'll love our wings, sidekicks, and more. Find the location near you at JetsPizza.com. And finally, by Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. Worldwide, Caesars is where the action is. Analytics and eyeballs and all of the Ice Time Hockey Southwest podcasts are recorded live on the Podbean app. You can also download any of our shows on iTunes, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on TuneIn. 
analytics and eyeballs and all of our weekly podcasts come to you from the summer skate studios and are part of the ice time hockey sw.com network very well done jordan you've done a great job tonight uh, our thanks uh to everybody that came out and listened, everybody that will download it, this show, uh, we hope, will become more interactive. So feel free to chime in on the app. There is a chat bar on there on the Podbean app. And uh, we'll be here every Monday night, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, looking forward to great hockey action. Tomorrow night, Paul Hornstein and I will have College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Wednesday night, Stephen Marsh and myself will be back with uh, the Great West College Hockey Podcast, our look into the ACHA and, of course, Sunday and next Monday, also our college hockey show. So we are the quad pod of college hockey live on the Podbean app. We'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Hello, New Day. Very fitting to go with this show. Hello, New Day. And we'll say goodnight. Goodnight, everybody. <laughs>